discretion. Um, Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you that, um, uh, that we can gather together this morning and have a good time. And, and we know that life is serious, and there's serious things that are going on right now as well. But God, thank you that we can, uh, we can grab a hold of your word, oh God. And when, when things are tumultuous or things are crazy and we're in seasons where we're not really sure what's going on, the Lord, you know what's going on. And we can believe that and we can trust in you and that we know that you know all things. And Lord, your word says that even if a sparrow falls to the ground and dies, that our Father in heaven knows it. And how much more do you care about your people? And Lord, your, your message to us today is about how much you care for us and how much you love us. And so, God, that you would speak by your spirit and we receive it now in advance in the name of Jesus. And everyone said, amen. Give someone a high five and have a seat, if you would, please. <laughs> All right. Uh, <clears throat> turn your Bibles to Daniel chapter 9. Daniel chapter 9. Uh, have you ever, um, you know, when you, um, when you signed up, uh, and I use that term very loosely, when you signed up for Jesus, um, did you have any idea that he would do the things that he's done with you? I mean, I mean, maybe you heard a message, or maybe a friend shared Christ with you, and you were... You, you, there was something deep within your, 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 your spirit that said, boy, I, I need that. I, I need Jesus. And it wasn't just fire insurance, you know, like, well, I don't want to go to hell, so if I have to have Jesus, fine. It, was, it wasn't that. It was deeper than that. It wasn't just an emotional decision. It was an intellectual decision. It was a spiritual decision. It was a mental decision. It was a emotional. It was everything. But you, you just, you knew. And, and, and so how long, for a, however long you've been a follower of Christ, you know, the, the, maybe the Lord's taking you on some journeys and taking you on some roads. And, you know, you, know, you signed up for Jesus. And again, I use that term very loosely because it's much, much bigger than that. But, but you signed up for Jesus, and boy, you had no idea that you would go on the ride that God has taken you on. Is it, could anybody agree with that? Just raise your hand. There's a couple in here that have said, man, it's been a ride. I had no idea. God sent you places, and God's done things. And you know, God's uh, uh, connected you with people that you would have never connected uh, uh, with. And, and that's what God does. Well, um, sometimes when you go to God, with a, with a prayer request even, uh, you know, you pray for, for a, a thing, and, and maybe the thing that you pray for is like this, and, and, and then God answers that prayer and does this. And you're like, well, Lord, that's all. I mean, I was just praying for this, God, and you did all of this. I mean, things that you could not even have imagined, right? I mean, things that you just went, that's absolutely amazing. Well, that's what's going to happen here in, in, in Daniel chapter 9. Daniel's going to ask, and it's really not this. It's much bigger than that. He's going to ask about this, <coughs> and God is going to do this. Okay? Um, <coughs> so Daniel chapter 9, one of, I think, the greatest chapters in all of the Bible, uh, and, um, and, and four verses that are absolutely um, shattering. They're absolutely otherworldly. They, they are in, in, in one of, not the, in my opinion, one of the greatest four verses in all of the Bible, okay, from a prophetic standpoint. Chapter 9 is about prayer. It's about prophecy. Daniel is about 85 years old. He's been reading the book of Jeremiah, and in the book of Jeremiah, it says that the children of Israel are going to be held captive on lockdown in Babylon, the nation of Judah, for 70 years, okay? That's the timeline that's been 
that's been ordained by God. They have violated God's Sabbath of letting the land rest, so they've accumulated a debt of 70 years. And through the prophet Jeremiah, uh, uh, he spoke clearly that it would be that amount of time that the land, Jerusalem, would lie dormant. At the same time, he gives a promise that there's going to be a restoration. And so Daniel begins this intense time of intercession. I mean, he's, he's laid out before God. He's, he's pressing into God with everything within him. Uh, uh, this, is, this is all of his heart, all of his soul. He's, he's maybe on his face before God. He's, he, he's, he's maybe weeping. He's probably, maybe he has, you know, stuff coming out of his nose and his hair's all crazy. And, and he doesn't care because he's, he's grabbing a hold of God with everything within him. And maybe some of you know what that's like, where you've been in that place where, where you've just been, like, you know, you didn't care what you looked like. The clock on the wall didn't mean anything. You were grabbing, all, God, I need something from you. I need an answer from you, God. In verse 19, listen to the agony of his, uh, of his prayer. He says, he says, oh, Lord, hear. Oh, Lord, forgive. Oh, Lord, listen and take action. For thine own sake, oh, my God, do not delay, because thy city and thy people uh, 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 are called by thy name. Lord, these are your people. Lord, Jerusalem is your city. Lord, the temple is your place of worship. Lord, do it for your great name. Do it for the sake of your people. Do it for your glory, O oh God. And he's tugging on the heartstrings of God. Hey, that's, that's passionate prayer. That's not, you know, rub-a-dub-dub, thanks for the grub, yay, God. Okay, no, that's, this, is, this is serious. This is serious, right? Uh... Virgin said this, he said, cold prayers ask God to deny them. Only import, uh, important prayers will be re replied to. When the church of God cannot take no for an answer, she shall not have no for an answer. When a pleading soul must have it, when the Spirit of God works mightily in him so that he cannot let the angel go without a blessing. The angel shall not go till he has given the blessing to such a pleading one. Brethren, if there be only one among us that can pray as Daniel did, with intensity, the blessing will come. Yes, the heart of intercession. So let's look at Daniel chapter 9, verse 20 and 21. So that's the context of where he's been. This is the season that he's in. All right, he's pressing into God says, now while I was speaking and praying and confessing my sin and the sin of my people Israel and presenting my supplication before the Lord my God in behalf of the holy mountain uh, of my God, while I was still speaking in prayer, then the man Gabriel, whom I have seen in the vision previously, came to me in my extreme weariness about the time of the evening offering. Now, there's a couple of interesting notes about that. Daniel's inter intercession, he's, he's speaking, and, and, and while he's in prayer, in the season of intercession, uh, the answer comes to him. And, and sometimes God answers like that, right? Isn't, it, isn't that awesome? When you're praying, oh God, I need an answer. Lord, I need an answer. The phone rings. You go, hello? And it's the answer. You go, oh, I, I'm sure years ago we did this lock-in when I was a youth pastor. It's called, uh, we called it the 70s disco lock-in. 
It was pretty cool, and everybody, you know, came dressed in their favorite 70s uh, garb. Of course, I wore an Afro wig. That was like my thing. I had to have that. And uh, it was really cool. And uh, one parent got mad at me because we were playing disco music, and they thought their son was going to be corrupted by it. And I said, you got to be kidding me, right? <laughs> I mean, you're, you're, you're upset that we're playing Casey and the Sunshine Band? I mean, <laughs> really? I mean, I mean, we're not, we're not playing Run DMC, honey. I mean, give me a break. Anyway, um, it's things you go through. And so, so we had all these things, right? We had this big recreational center. We had a climbing wall and a Velcro. I don't know, maybe not a Velcro. We had all these, all these things. And, and, and when I tallied it all up, it was like, it was like $1,100. And I'm thinking, how am I going to go to Pastor Dennis and tell him, okay, man, listen, we're going to do this, we're going to do that. By the way, y'all, I need $1,100, right? I'm thinking, and I remember I hung up the phone, and I went, I can't believe I just did that. Where am I going to get $1,100? And, and as soon as I'm saying that, you know, the phone buzzes in. Oh, you got a call on line four. I'm like, hello, and it's a friend of mine. And they're like, hey, what's going on, blah, blah. And we talk for a little bit, and they say, hey, just want you to know, we've been praying about We have some extra money. We really weren't sure where to, where to give it to, but we just feel like, We'd like to give it to, to kind of what you're doing with the youth ministry. And I said, oh, praise God. Awesome. And I'm thinking, I wonder how much it is. You know, just, just a thought. And I don't normally, you know, I mean, you, I don't normally know what people give. I mean, you could give a million dollars, and I probably wouldn't know. Okay, maybe I would know your name. I'd be like, Wait, who gave that? Okay. But I, I, that's just like separation of church and state for me, right? It's like I don't want to know. You know, and uh, and they go, oh, well, by, oh, by the way, just so you know, it's twelve hundred dollars. I said, hallelujah, <laughs> the disco seventies locking is on. Order that pizza, you know. Don't you love it when that happens? You know, when you're like, oh my, and they answer, boom. I love it when that happens, right? But it doesn't always happen like that. Sometimes the answer comes while you're praying. Other time, the answer comes before you pray. I mean, God's already spoken something. God's already done something. And you begin to pray, and the Holy Spirit goes, remember, that's already been answered. And you go, oh, yes, right, right, right. Jesus said, your heavenly Father knows what you need before you ask him. And sometimes the answer comes much later after you pray. Uh, you pray today, and it, and it, and it might be years. We're, we're in, on Wednesday nights, we're in uh, a Genesis and, and, and Joseph is, is in lockdown in prison in Egypt for two years waiting for a response uh, from uh, uh, the, the, the cupbearer, uh, the, king's, uh, the drink of king's wine. He's waiting for two years, and, and then the door opens in, in any way. So either way, hey, either way, God knows the timing, right? Either way, God knows the timing. And those things become important in our lives. Uh, at the end of our time, uh, just a, a few things. Uh, we are going to take a missions offering today. I just wanted you to be thinking about that. And also, I want to share a story with you about, about, about God's timing even in death. Okay? And so, he's praying. He's confessing his sin and the sin of his people before the Lord on behalf of the holy mountain of his God, Jerusalem. Okay, he's, he's confessing. Notice, he's, he's praying and he's confessing his sin. I mean, he doesn't go, you know, like he's arguably, you know, the, the holiest man on earth. 
I mean, he's one of the few men or women in the Bible which there's nothing bad to say about him. Everything we've read about Daniel is right on, yeah? And he says he's confessing his sin. Uh, he knows the appropriateness of approaching God and, and confessing everybody else's sin. And he says, no, I, I'm confessing my sin, oh God. Okay? And then look, it says, it says the man Gabriel. Okay, the man... Uh, Verse 21, while I was speaking in prayer, the man Gabriel, who I had seen previously in a vision, came to him. Uh, and, the, and the Amplified Bible says, being caused to fly swiftly. It's one of the few places, and not, I have to think about it, where it speaks about, about angels flying. doesn't say he has wings. doesn't say that. It says he's, he's flying swiftly. And, and how many of you would agree that when an angel is flying, especially Gabriel right is flying swiftly that's fast okay because what they they uh, they exist in a dimension that's outside of our dimension they're they're outside of the time space continuum that we know of and that we're limited to and so this angel comes quickly and i wrote this down the distance between heaven and earth may be infinite but the messengers of god traverse it quickly Okay, the, the distance between heaven and earth may be infinite, uh, but, but the messengers of God traverse it quickly. When God dispatches his messengers, they show up in his timing. And sometimes that's instantly. Verse 22 and 23, it says, um, And he gave me instruction and talked with me. Can, can, we just, can we just park right there just for a moment? I mean, it's real easy just to say, okay, Abe, Gabriel came and he's talking to him. Okay, can, I, can, you, can you put yourself in, in Babylon in Daniel's sandals and robe? And could you just begin to imagine, like, if you had a visitation from Gabriel or an angel, would that not, like, freak you out? Like, would you, would you not, like question your own sanity i mean even a little bit the thing i who am i no it's just and it, daniel is so and he's already gabriel's already visited him before so it's like yo gabe what's up high five you know he's but i mean this gabriel this is not just some miscellaneous angel this is gabriel you know it, the messenger to israel if you would and bang gabriel Oh, we don't read about Daniel, his knees knocking or fear or, I mean, if you saw an angel, would that not like make, I mean, would, would you not, what would you do, fall to the ground? Maybe you have the sudden urge to go use the restroom, maybe. I'd be like, you know what, hold on one second, man. I got, no, no, don't go away. I got to go right now. I mean, come on. And it's just so matter of fact. It's it just like, eh, Gabriel, hey, evening offering. And he gave me instruction and talked with me, like over coffee. Meet you at Starbucks at noon, Gabriel. Okay, yeah, just me and you, me and you, me and you. Yeah, you know, <coughs> mocha chocolata, got you, man. Yeah, 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 we'll get you, we'll get you that. Yeah, I'll see. Oh, put a little yaya on it. Okay, okay, yeah, we'll do that, we'll do that. I, I'm the worst at Starbucks. I never know what I want to order. People behind me like, get out of line, dude. I'm like, well, can I get that? You know, uh, I don't know. Listen, at the beginning, verse 23 of your supplication, the command was issued. 
And I have come to tell you, uh, for you are highly esteemed. So give heed to the message and gain understanding of the vision. Okay. Here's Daniel talking with the angel Gabriel. As a result of his prayers, you notice it says that he's praying at the evening offering. Okay, the evening offering was a time of the sacrifice. And the e it was the evening offering where Jesus was crucified. Daniel growing up in, in Israel as a young man would have, would, have, would, have, would have known the time of the evening offering, the time of prayer. And it's interesting, he's been in Babylon all these years, but he still has his heart in Jerusalem. There's a time of prayer for him that he hasn't forgotten just because he's in Babylon. And, and, he, and he continues that time. That's probably those three different times a day he would pray and ended up him in the lion's den. Not, you know, we remember that. Um, and so, so at the beginning of your supplication, the command was issued. At the beginning of your, you know, you know, Daniel, when you began to pray, the command was given from heaven. Okay? And, and you may not have known that, but I want you to, Gabriel, that the timing was such that, that when you gave the command, uh, it, it, it went forth. And, and oh, by the way, uh, you are highly esteemed. Read it again, verse 23, 4. At the beginning of your supplications, the command was issued, and I have come to tell you. Okay, so, so because of Daniel's prayer and his supplication, God sends an angel who comes to tell him. Because of his prayer... God sends an angel who tells him. Because of your prayer, God may very well do something that will tell you or tell someone else. Now, now notice, also he says, um, and I have come to tell you, you are for you are highly esteemed. You are highly esteemed. Oh, oh by the way, Daniel, uh, we got a lot of love for you in heaven. You're highly esteemed. Oh, by the way, I have this amazing message that I need to tell you, but I've been specifically instructed to tell you that you are highly esteemed. You're highly favored, Daniel. You're loved by God. God sees, Daniel. He sees what you're going through. He sees your agony on behalf of his people. He sees your struggle, not just for yourself, but for, the, for others. And I just felt like that was a word for someone here today, that you are highly esteemed. You don't feel like it. You don't think in your mind that you are highly esteemed. You feel like you're far from God because of your sin. And yes, our sin separates us from God. And you may need to make some changes in your life you may need to do that because you've created some distance between you and the Spirit of God. But if you're a follower of Christ, I want you to get in your spirit that you are highly esteemed, that you are highly favored, that you are chosen by God. Oh, he knows you're not perfect. But you know, when he chose you, he picked you out and chose you warts and all, knowing that we would be the kind of kids we are, but he still chose us. You're highly esteemed. You're highly favored. Settle in on that because those words alone will change your life. I promise you, I promise you, 
and, 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 and I don't have any research. This video clip that we've been that we talked about and what we're going to show on Wednesday night and the little question answer time that we're going to have afterwards and a, and a way that you can even participate in this movement that's happening. I promise you that not too many girls, young girls or old girls, get in this line of work when, <laughs> not work, but when they know they're highly esteemed and highly favored. I, I just would not think that. Okay. Okay. So, um, <clears throat> in the end of chapter 8, just a, a reminder, um, after a vision that he had seen, it says that I, Daniel, was exhausted and sick for days. And I got up again and carried on the king's business, but I was astounded at the vision, for there was no one to explain it. And then we have chapter 9. And so that's the end of 8. And so he's in this state of agony. He's exhausted and sick, and he's needing more information. So what does he do? He gets out the word of God, and, and he reads about the 70-year prophecy in Babylon. And, 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 but yet there's more for him, though. Okay? He's, you know, he's, he's in agony. He gets out God's word, 70 years. And God's about to reveal so much more to him. There's, there's more for him. Uh, he's been interceding for his people, the restoration of Jerusalem. And God's going to say, okay, Daniel, I'm going to answer that, but I'm going to give you all this too. Okay, and that's, that's where we are. That's where we are, all right? And so the message this morning is entitled, uh, Daniel chapter 9, the 70 years of Israel. The 70 years for Israel, 70 years, okay? And we're going to try to explain uh, uh, what, that, what this terminology me, uh, means, 70 weeks. Seven, uh, 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 look at verse 24, back in chapter 9, it says this. Okay, so, so having said that, now we transition to four of the greatest verses in all the Word of God. And it says, 70 weeks have been decreed for your people. For who? Your people and your holy city... What's the holy city? Jerusalem. To finish the transgression, to make an end of sin, to make atonement for iniquity, to bring in everlasting righteousness, to seal up vision and prophecy, and to anoint the most holy place. Okay, that is a mouthful. <laughs> That's a lot. All right, 70 weeks. The Hebrew word for weeks is a generic term meaning seven or units of seven. In their mindset, they thought in terms of sevens. Okay, we might think in the term of, of months or maybe a seven-day week. Okay, and we, we might, we might kind of share that with them. And so the context determines the definition. Listen, if you went to a donut shop and you said, give me a dozen, they would know what you're talking about, right? And they wouldn't say like a dozen what? Okay, it doesn't donuts, hello, right? They know that because that's the context. And so Daniel's prayer concerns Israel's 70, year of ca 70 uh, uh, years of captivity. So it makes sense that when Daniel speaks of, of weeks, that's the context in the sense of years. And so this is what it says. It says 70 weeks or 70 sevens, 70 periods of seven years, okay? 70 periods of seven years, that's 490 years, all right? 70 times 7 is 490. So that's, that's, this is, 
God is saying, I know that you're asking about Jerusalem and the temple and the people, uh, but I'm not going to just tell you about that. I'm going to give you the whole picture, and I'm going to give it in a prophetic time clock of 490 years, okay? That's, that's the backdrop uh, for what he's saying. So uh, that's the next prophetic agenda that God's giving him. Okay, so what will happen in this timeline of 490 years? Well, uh, he says, <clears throat> 70 weeks have been decreed for your people, your holy city, and first of all, to finish the transgression. That means that transgression and sin will be done away with. Now, keep in mind, he is speaking to him in the context of Jerusalem and Israel and, and, and his people. But in, in speaking of that, he's going to give a much broader context as well. So in those, here's what's going to happen. Number one, there'll be a finishing of the transgression and making an end of sin. It means to seal up or to restrain sins. Uh, the end of sin and rebellion, really. To make atonement for iniquity, man's iniquity must be atoned for or covered to satisfy God's righteous demands of justice and holiness. Uh, uh, God cannot wink at our sin and say, well, that's just how humans are. If we're going to come to God, our sin must be addressed before God. It must be covered somehow because sin cannot be in his presence. And if sin cannot be in his presence, none of us would be in his presence. Uh, however, he has made a way. He has made a way through the shed blood of Jesus. And so to make an atonement for iniquity, to bring in everlasting righteousness, to seal up vision and prophecy, which is the end or the fulfillment of all prophecy, uh, and to anoint the most holy place. The most holy uh, place, Ezekiel chapter 40, verse 40, uh, uh, fo chapter 40 through 48, speaks about the temple that would one day be anointed and blessed. And so, the first three of these are a permanent pardon for sins. The last three have to do with a home, or better yet, a kingdom. The first three have already been fulfilled in Christ's coming, dying and rising from the dead. The last three are still waiting to be fulfilled at his second coming. Now, this is the entire context for Israel, but it applies to the world. All right? And so now you see the magnitude. He's asking about his people, and God says, No, I'm going to show you, Daniel, the whole timeline to the end of the ages. Woo! All right. All right, verse 25. Three timelines. So here's 490 years, and then the Lord says, now I'm going to break it up for you, Daniel, in three different categories or three different uh, 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 spots. All right? And this, this is uh, three timelines. Verse 25 says, So you are to know and discern that from the issuing of a decree to restore and rebuild Jerusalem... Until Messiah the Prince, there will be seven weeks. Category number one. 62 weeks. And it will be built again with plaza and moat, even in times of distress. Seven weeks or seven sets of seven. Seven times seven is 49 years. 
490 years is our, remember, keep that in the back of your head. 490 years, and he says, let me just break it to you. Here's the first uh, uh, 49 years, or the first seven weeks, okay? Are you with me? See, now, now the, I know the early service is a thinking service, so I know you guys, not that the second service isn't, but I know you guys are, you know, <laughs> you know I want to get home and watch that game too, but I feel you. That's all right. Listen, all right, so the first category, seven weeks, 49 years. All right, so when does the prophetic time clock start? When do we start it? Well, he tells us, from the issuing of a decree to restore and rebuild Jerusalem. Here's when the 490 years process begins, when the decree is made to restore and rebuild Jerusalem. Cyrus makes a decree that allows Ezra to return to Jerusalem and rebuild the temple. Darius makes a decree uh, allowing Ezra the right to rebuild the temple. Uh, but Artaxerxes gave a decree giving Nehemiah permission to rebuild the temple and the city, and in particular, the walls. Ah, and that's the decree that we'll go with, 445 B.C. And, and, and scholars differentiate, uh, uh, vacillate between 444 B.C., 445 B.C. We're going to go with 445 B.C. because it fits nicely with where I'm headed. <laughs> Sometimes you got to pick and choose. Now, I believe that's the one. Okay, so the first division, seven weeks or 49 years. Now, 490, but here's the first chunk of it. And so the time... Uh, in that time is, is to uh, completely rebuild Jerusalem, the walls and all. It will be done during a time of distress. Uh, and Nehemiah uh, chapter 2 uh, uh, through chapter 6 tells us that the walls were rebuilt, the city was rebuilt, but what? During a time of distress. So that's exactly what happened. And so that's the first chunk. Division 1, you got it? 7 weeks, 49 years. Okay. And he moves on from there. And that's kind of a small part of that prophetic clock. But that's when it begins. So very gracious of God to say, here's the starting point right here. The decree goes forth in 445 B.C. Start the clock. Okay, we got that. Now, we move on to the next one, which is much bigger chunk. And that's 62 weeks or 483 years. That's a much bigger chunk chunk okay now when jerusalem is is rebuilt this next division or this next timeline begins and it says it ends with the appearing of of uh of messiah the prince who's messiah the prince jesus okay um uh seven weeks plus 62 weeks after the decree to restore and rebuild Jerusalem is 483 years, or 69 weeks, 483 years. Using a Jewish calendar, someone has calculated the number of days that that is, okay? And the number of days is 173,880 days. Don't you love people that do stuff like that? We love these guys, right? Now, according to Sir Robert Anderson... Okay, and this is the context of going with 445 B.C. Sir Robert Anderson, biblical scholar, says adding 173,880 days from March the 14th, 445 B.C., because it's easy to determine the exact day that uh, uh, Artaxerxes gave the decree to restore and rebuild the temple. It's easy to do that. Okay, so that day was March 14th. 445 B.C. That would be the prophetic clock for the second timeline, right? All right, from, from that day, 
If you add those number of days and do all the adjustments for leap years or whatever else has to happen, you come to uh, AD, uh, April 10th, AD 32. And what's the significance of April 10th, AD 32? According to Sir Robert Anderson, that is the day that Jesus entered Jerusalem as Messiah the Prince. And so here's the significance of that, is that Daniel, five and a half centuries before, before Jesus came, God takes out his prophetic calendar, puts an X on the calendar, and says, that is the day that Messiah the Prince will come. <sighs> Luke chapter 19, verse 41 says, Now as he drew near the city, he saw the city and wept over it, Jesus, saying, If you had known, even you especially in this your day, the things that make for peace. Verse 44, he says, speaking about the destruction that would take place afterwards, he says, these soldiers, when they come in to destroy the city, will not leave one stone on another because you did not recognize the time of God's coming to you. Why didn't they recognize it? Because they weren't looking for that kind of oh they were looking for a messiah but not one like him and they did not know the scriptures and they did not know that daniel had predicted to the day that the messiah would enter jerusalem and they missed it and jesus wept over the city because they did not recognize god's coming to you we thought it was jesus who came to them okay they spread out their palm branches and they shouted, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. <sighs> you know, we call that day Palm Sunday. The day that Jesus um, uh, entered into Jerusalem. Well, first chunk of time, seven weeks, 49 years. Second chunk of, chunk of time, 62 weeks. 434 years and then but there's one week left um, anyway verse 26 again says then after the 62 weeks verse 26 says after the 62 weeks the Messiah will be cut off and have nothing and uh, the people of the prince who is to come will destroy the city and the sanctuary and its end will come with a flood even to the end there will be war death um, uh, desolations are determined okay hmm uh, the messiah after that timeline that next that middle point would would come and be cut off after it begins um uh, and sometimes that word cut off is used uh, it, to describe an execution. And it says that it would be for the sake of others and not himself. Someone said this, uh, uh, Alexander Heslop said, Born in another man's stable, cradled in another man's manger, with nowhere to lay his head during his life on earth, and buried in another man's tomb after dying on a cursed cross. The Christ of God and the friend of the friendless was indeed cut off and had nothing. So it tells us that Messiah would come uh, after the 62 weeks. The Messiah will come and be cut off and have nothing. 
Uh, and then it says, after the Messiah is cut off, Jesus crucified, okay, uh, that the people of the prince who is to come, the people of the prince who is to come will destroy the city and the sanctuary. So the Romans, led by Titus, uh, who in 70 A.D. destroyed the city and the temple, was a partial fulfillment of that. Most Bible scholars believe that. Just as, remember, there was a double fulfillment of Antiochus Epiphanes, if you were with us a number of weeks ago, uh, and the Antichrist, and how Antiochus Epiphanes came in and desecrated the temple, and he was sort of a, pre, uh, a preview of the Antichrist who would come. Well, in the same way, uh, uh, Titus is also a type of the Antichrist, that, that the city would be destroyed with the flood. And perhaps that's a picture of judgment and not a, a literal flood. Um, just, and, and it says that, that the army would be made up of people of the prince who is to come, the Antichrist. And so here's an interesting note. This is by Joel Richardson, who is a, a, kind, of a kind of a Jewish scholar and um, a, a, a born-again believer, a, a messianic uh, Jew, a believer in Jesus. And, he, and this is what he says regarding that army. Okay, He says that, uh, so after examining and sampling uh, of evidence from both ancient historians as well as the most cutting-edge modern scholarship to date, we may very confidently conclude that the Roman soldiers in the eastern provinces that destroyed Jerusalem and the temple in 70 A.D. were, in fact, eastern peoples, the inhabitants of Asia Minor, Syria, Arabia, and Egypt. Again, they were the ancestors of the modern-day inhabitants of the Middle East. Why does he say that? He believes that the Antichrist will be Muslim. And he believes that the army that destroyed the city, by the time we come to 70 A.D., that many, and in fact, almost three-quarters of the army at that time were like mercenary soldiers. They were from other countries, and they were predominantly from nations that, were, that are now Islamic. It's an interesting thing to note. Now, we tend to think of this army as, some, as uh, coming from, from Europe and, and Rome, and, and, and though Rome was the, was the uh, authority figure, but he believes that that army that would be birthed out of that would be a, uh, will be an Islamic army, uh, led by an Islamic antichrist. Anyway, here's the key to all of that bit right there, that according to Jan Daniel chapter 9, he, he, that the Messiah must come prior to the destruction of the temple. Take that away from that. The Messiah must come prior to the destruction of the temple in 70 A.D. He must come, according to Daniel. Jesus did. That fits very nicely with what we believe to be true. Okay, the, the last division, okay? 69 weeks have already happened. Now we get to, there's this big gap of time, and we get to the very last week. The very last week. The 70th week. I don't think there's any way that Daniel could have imagined that there would be such a time gap between the end of the last age and this age. And then there's this huge gap that we call the church age. Uh, Paul would call it a mystery in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 6, that the Gentiles should be fellow heirs of the same body and partakers of his promise in Christ uh, through the gospel. Daniel isn't told that the Messiah would be rejected 
by his own. Uh, and the, but, but that rejection would open up a new era, the age of the Gentiles, a time where there'd be no distinction between Jew and Gentile. And so you see how Daniel's asking about Jerusalem and the holy city, and God says, no, I'm going to show you something even bigger than that. But Daniel didn't have access to that, that there's, there's going to be this, this great time called the church age. And in, it, in that time, this is from, uh, from the end of the last age to this age until the next timeline begins, the next category, there'll be all of these Gentile people that will be coming into the body of Christ. And so God so loves the world that he gives his only begotten son. And, and so this, this Jewish Messiah becomes more than just that. He becomes the Messiah for the whole world. So whosoever believes in him will not perish. And that's where we are right now. We're in the church age. That's it. And we're busy uh, 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 sharing Christ and, and, and bringing people into the kingdom of God uh, until the fullness of the Gentiles. And that may very well mean that there's a time where God will say, just like in, in all of these timelines, that God will say, okay, that's it. And then we click into the last week. The last week. Verse 27 says this. says, And he will make a firm covenant with the many, that is Israel, for one week. But in the middle of the week, he will put a stop to sacrifice and grain offering. And on the wing of abominations will come one who makes desolate, even until a complete destruction. One that is decreed is poured out on the one who makes desolate. Okay. So at the beginning of this last, see that blue? Seven years. That's the last week. Picture a clock, if you would. And, and, and we, we went through 49 years. And then we went through the, through, through the, 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 the what is it, 600 and, what is it, 73 years? What is it? 634 years. And, 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 there, and there's one more piece of that clock left. It's like the clock is going this way and it gets to the last tick and God stops it. And it's the age of the church, the age of the Gentiles. But there's one more tick on the clock left. In the beginning of this seven-year cycle, the prince who is to come, the one of the ten toes of chapter 2, the little horn who emerges out of the ten horns in chapter 7 in Daniel, he makes a peace deal with Israel, allowing them to worship in a restored temple. But after three and a half years, he breaks his agreement, stops the sacrifices, and sets up a religious system with himself as the center of worship, just like Nebuchadnezzar did, right? Second Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 3 and 4 says this. It says, Let no one deceive you by any means, for that day will not come unless the falling away comes first, or the apostasy, and the man of sin is revealed, the Antichrist, the son of perdition, who opposes and exalts himself above all that is called God or that is worshipped, so that he sits as God in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. After this, he will attack the Jewish na nation and even those who have become believers in the great tribulation like never before. Jesus said of this time in Matthew 24, he says, there will be great tribulation such as has not, such as has not been seen since the beginning of the world until this time, no one shall, uh, nor, shall ever, uh, uh, nor ever shall be. And unless those days were shortened, no flesh would be saved. But for the elect, elect's sake, 
those days will be shortened. <sighs> 490 years. And there's only one week left. Seven years. We call that the tribulation timeline. Interesting, huh? Um, <clears throat> let me just remind you of a few things. Daniel chapter 2, verse 44. <clears throat> says, And in the days of those kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom which will never be destroyed, and that kingdom will not be left for another people. It will crush and put an end to all these kingdoms, but it itself will endure forever. Chapter 7, verse 26 says, <clears throat> But the court will sit for judgment, and his dominion will be taken away, annihilated, and destroyed forever. Chapter 8, verse 25 says, And through his shrewdness he will cause deceit to succeed by his influence, and he will magnify himself in his heart, and he will destroy many while they are at ease. He will even oppose the prince of princes, but he will be broken without human agency. And so we read this and we think, man, this is an amazing time. This is an amazing antichrist person. This is, this is an, an incredible, you know what? God's kingdom will prevail. God's kingdom. It, it tells me a few things. You know what? Um, God is in the details. <laughs> God is in the details. God is in the details. I mean, globally and individually. God is in the details. God is in the details. And you know what else it tells me? Is that God keeps his promises. God keeps his promises. He's not a man that he should lie. Um, and so a, a friend of ours has been in the hospital and, and um, dealing with cancer and, and really having a rough go of it rough go rough go it's been a tough tough couple of months tough tough couple of and 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 on friday I'm, I'm having lunch with uh with her brother-in-law and we get the call to come to the hospital and to say you know what it, this is it i mean unless god does a miracle she's going to be with jesus um and that's a tough time that's a tough time uh and and, and yet um, just this morning, even coming into church, I, I get a call from my friend who say, who said to me, you know, uh, yeah, it's we're, we're at the end of the end. Um, right now, she's on life support, and um, they're just making that decision. Uh, and and exactly, they wanted everyone to be here before they did it. And, and I kind of got you know got that call this morning, and we were there Friday and just trying to talk to her and support her and 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 and, and whatnot. And um, and, you know, by now, I don't know, but maybe she's gone on to be with the Lord. Maybe she's already gone on to be with the Lord. I, mean, I don't know how that works, right? You're on life support. Are you there? You know, I don't know. But here's where all of this stuff becomes important. When someone's in the hospital breathing their last. And we say, God, you're in the details. And that, God, you keep your promises. And my last conversation with her was about the promises of God and what God said he would do. And God will do what he has said he will do. 
And so we can take great comfort and peace in that. <clears throat> A lot of stuff to ponder, meditate on the scripture throughout the week, if you would. Um, Joshua, are you doing our offering, our missions offering? Or Jonathan, are you? Oh, Bill, come on up.